This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 60. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Today's guest is Sean McCabe, a hand-lettering artist and type designer based in Antonio, Texas. Sean is the founder of SeanWest.com, which is S-E-A-N. WES.com and the creator of Learn Lettering 2.0. And in the past 10 years, Sean has used his business experience to grow and sell a computer repair business, run a profitable web design firm, and build and launch a phenomenally successful series of courses on hand lettering that have grossed six figures within three days of launching. And I brought Sean on to talk about all these things, of course, but also to talk a little bit about artisanship in the digital age how to build a creative business from scratch, and why he put so much time and effort into the look and feel of his website and his content, which is something that I noticed, and, and I'm guessing anybody who goes to his website will notice too, that there's obviously a lot of attention to detail that was put into everything that he creates, which I think speaks volume about him and his business, but I'm, I'm also personally interested as somebody who runs my own company and stuff like that, and I really appreciate good design. So Sean, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Tom, thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege. Yeah, so let's get to it. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about you and your background and then kind of the lead up to to your website, your podcast. Um, but let's not get to that just yet. But tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what led you to what you do today. Sure thing. I'm a, I'm a really creative type person. So I used to be in a band and uh, that, that was kind of my creative outlet. And then I started I started a computer repair business because, you know, as as a musician, you know, we're, we're traveling around, we're doing shows and stuff, but eventually the shows weren't totally paying the bills. And so we kind of had to find something to supplement our income. And we each kind of started our own little businesses and things on the side. And for me, that was computer repair and, you know, eventually got married. The business started growing a little bit more. And I, I, I thought, you know, well, it's time for me to step down from the band. Things are, things are going well. I need to focus on my business. But what I didn't anticipate was that creative element from the music was now out of my life. And the computer repair stuff was, it was fun, it was challenging, but it didn't have that same kind of creative element. And so I started kind of seeking for a way to fill that void. And in that, I, I came to graphic design and web design. And a lot of my, my clients with the computer repair business, they were saying, could, could you help us with our websites? Do you do that kind of work? And I said, well, sure. You know, <laughs> I didn't exactly, but I was, I was willing to learn and so I started teaching myself design on the side and eventually the design work was doing really well to the point where I, I couldn't even do the computer repair work anymore. And I thought, well, let's let's scale this up because I'm really enjoying this. And I brought on a partner and started doing that full time, brought on someone with the computer repair business and everything was going well. But what I did wrong with that first business was I hired a guy and then the business basically stagnated. I mean, it, it, it was fine. I had enough work for just that one guy, but I didn't have, uh, I guess I didn't have the guts to either advertise or hire more people. It was kind of a chicken and the egg thing. 
you know, I, I wasn't really sure how to grow the business and I eventually ended up selling it. And I, you know, I made money on that business, but what I regret is that it could have been an asset to this day. If I had, if I had been smart enough to learn how to hire, it, it could have still been serving me to this day. But I took that knowledge and more recently, I, I've been able to apply it in the current work that I'm doing. So I started doing, you know, web design with the partnership. But once again, I, I overlapped to something that I was passionate about. First, it was computer repair and then web. But then it was web and this crazy niche pursuit, which was hand lettering, basically designing custom letters, doing, you know, T-shirts and designing logos. And I, I really just started doing it for fun in my nights and weekends, just just practicing, just just creating. And I, I was sharing the work online, but it, it really wasn't taking off for about, you know, the first two years. It was just me creating. And then suddenly people really started to notice. They would start coming along and realizing, wow, this guy has a lot of work, really cool work. And the response was either one of two things. It was, can I buy shirts or prints with your artwork? Or, you know, from clients saying, hey, can I hire you to do custom work for me? And so after three years of doing the web design firm, I finally went full time with the hand lettering stuff. And I was selling products. I was doing uh, work with clients. And and the nice thing was I came into this business, came into the the art world through business. I mean, I was basically, uh, you know, I I was more of a business person than I was an artist coming into hand lettering. And so I, I brought that knowledge that you know, my background in web design, working with clients and contracts and all of that, I brought that to the art world. And I guess that's what was kind of unique about me is um, I I had this business knowledge that a lot of artists didn't seem to have, you know, it it allowed me to, uh, along with my skills, charge five figure rates for client work, doing logos, doing advertising campaigns, and basically things were going really well. You know, I, I had been producing products and selling prints and t-shirts of my work every single day we were getting orders and it, it seemed like okay that's great we can keep doing this except I was ignoring the elephant in the room and the elephant in the room was all, all the people in my audience who yes they were buying my products but the vast majority of them wanted to learn how to do what I did for some reason hand lettering was experiencing this resurgence you know in the, in the digital age that we're in right now everything's going so progressively digital and automated. I, I think, at least my, my theory is that we're we're yearning for the the tangible. We we want to be reminded that there's a human with a soul behind the designs and the products that we're interacting with. And, and I think that's why hand lettering is experiencing this resurgence right now. And I, I've noticed that clients want it as well. They want hand lettering for their designs, for their advertisements, for their products, because they know that people are resonating with it. And so I, I basically, I, I put out this guide. I said, okay, I'll teach you what I know about hand lettering. I put out this guide. And over the course of, uh, of that year, I think this was 2013, 200,000 people had read that guide. I was like, my goodness, there's definitely some interest here. I just put up a free guide on the internet. You know, it wasn't behind an opt-in or anything. I didn't know anything about marketing back then. I just put it on a page and so many people read it. I didn't even Tom, I didn't know anything about this stuff, you know, email lists. Looking back, I'm like, I wish I knew to put an email opt-in back then. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I I just put it up there. So many people were interested in it. And I decided, well, you know what? I guess I'm going to make a course. I'm going to go more in depth on this because I have a lot more to share. And basically, I I saved up money until I could afford six months uh, of living expenses. And so I just took off of client work and I, I just poured everything into making this course. 
And the long story short of it is I, I launched it and it grossed six figures in the first three days, which was, it just blew me away. Like I had no idea. I, I wasn't expecting anything like that. And of course, you know, hearing that this hand lettering artist makes six figures in three days, that kind of starts to pique people's interest, you know, m- more so than just in the art world, but kind of in the business and the marketing world. And basically ever since then, I've just been teaching what I learn as I go, just as far as like business and marketing. I've just been basically like open book. I'm going to share everything I know. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff here that I could probably pinpoint and talk about, but I'm curious. Um, there's a few that, that stand out to me. So one, I, you brought up the, the, the need, the yearning for, for tangible products in, in a very digital world, in a world that's, you know, progressively more and more digital. Um, tell me a bit about that. Like why, like, why does that stand out to you as being something that's important? And why did, why do you think that that's made your hand lettering business so successful? Well, for me, I, I try to see that first experience with a customer as a, a way to build rapport and, and to create, I, I guess, create an experience more than just sell a product. And so for me, that first, that first transaction with a customer, if someone buys one of my shirts, to me, that's not about making money. It, it's about leaving an impression. So I, I, I really care about not, not just, you know, the, the handmade nature of my designs, but also just the tangible feel of the fabric that I use for my shirts or, or the packaging and just the little details, you know, added uh, hang tags or, or stickers and, and the box and everything. To me, it's this holistic experience that I want to give people. And honestly, to the point where even if I lose money or just break even on that first transaction, that that's worth it to me because I know I've left an impression. And I'm not really... I'm not trying to squeeze out profits from that first sale. I'm trying to get a lifelong customer. And, and so to me, all, all of the details, all of the little things, they add up to create that experience. And that, that's really the, the only thing I can think that hand lettering is experiencing this resurgence for is, you know, people are yearning for the details as things become more and more automated. I think we are, at least there, there's the risk of tending towards losing some of that soul behind our products, behind our designs. And I think people really do want that. People really do care about that. Awesome. Good stuff. So before I get to, I think the, the thing that stands out as the most, um, you know, arguably one of the most fascinating things is, is obviously launching a six figure course in three days, which is pretty impressive. And I do want to get around to that, but I want to get there first by, by talking a little bit more about this, this hand lettering and this artisanship piece. So a couple things that stood out to me is you do the physical stuff still, you do the tangible stuff still. Um, and you even said it yourself that it's, even if it's just breaking, even if you still feel it matters. And I think you've done a really good job of finding this balance between physical tangible, which is generally, um, really difficult to do to be a, a profit making center but then that having these digital courses these digital guides um stuff with obviously very low marginal cost that have done really well for you so you've struck this balance that i think a lot of people would be like very envious of can you talk a little bit about that was that intentional or was it just what you know was it accidental and if it was accidental you know what have you learned from that uh, great question I, I will be honest in the beginning it it, it wasn't intentional and now that, that now that i've kind of realized and explored it I have started to become more intentional about it and I can talk to that in a moment. But in the beginning, it was really just, you know, I'm creating these designs and, and people are asking for 
my designs on products. And I think that's the one thing that people miss when they go to make a product, whether it's with their art or with it, with a course or an ebook they want to put out there is that, you know, they often start with what they want to make and they're not paying too much attention to what the market is interested in, what, what people are actually asking for. And I didn't make a product until I was two years into creating designs every single day. And I waited until it was what people were asking for. It wasn't me saying, hey, Tom, w- will you buy a shirt? You know, and, and you get 20 people to say yes, you might get one person to actually buy it. But these people were going out of their way to say, hey, I want to buy something with your designs on it. And I think by waiting for that, kind of th- that, that validation and people actually asking for it instead of me just saying, I want shirts that exist that, that I made, uh, that, that's what helped my, my first, my early products do really well. But, but the reason I started those is just because people wanted them. That, that's really the only reason I made it. It is cool to see something that you've made, but it, it wasn't ever for the money. And I will say that physical products aren't extremely lucrative. I mean, you've got packaging, you've got shipping and the, and the labor and, and just the margins aren't, aren't super great. And gradually I, I came to realize that, you know, once this became my full-time deal, when it wasn't just something on the side, it was like, okay, we, we really need to be strategic about this. And by, by looking at what people were interested in, yes, they were saying I would buy products, but, you know, a, a ton more people were saying, I want to learn from you. So I went off of that interest and, and created the course. And through that discovered, of, of course, you know, learning online is much more lucrative than selling T-shirts. But more, more and more, even though I have kind of shied away from the physical products in the past year or two, I do want to come back. So, so now that I've started doing you know, these courses and they're doing really well, I would like to take some of that revenue and reinvest it back into physical products. Because for me, physical products are, they're allowing people to connect with your brand. It's not so much about making a ton of money. I mean, you can make money, but it's really in volume. You know, you have to be selling hundreds of shirts to really be able to sustain yourself. But for me, it's more about a connection with people. They want to feel like I I own a a piece of this brand. I, I feel connected, you know, one of my products was this laser engraved, uh, laser cut wooden ampersand keychain, and it is just the, kind of this ridiculous thing. It it cost so much per item to make, and I couldn't sell it for very much because it's a keychain. You know, I ended up pretty much breaking even on it. But the cool thing is, that's on someone's keys. You know, every single day they see that, and it reminds them of me. You know, maybe it gets them to listen to my podcast. Maybe it gets them to join my community, or, or you know, just think about my brand. And for me, that's just kind of like the entrance point again to, for them to come back into my ecosystem. Yeah, very interesting. I think it's that's really cool what you're doing. And I'm excited to see kind of where you go from here and how you, you decide to invest. And maybe we can talk about that toward the end. But, but I want to come back around to now you going from physical-based business to managing, operating it, then to going into the digital world, then to to moving over from kind of service-based, maybe agency work of web design to course creation, um, which I feel like is a progression that a lot of people, um, a lot of the, the audience of, of in the trenches will resonate with to a degree, um, that, that type of progression and, and moving toward um, info products and, and digital products because they can, they, have, they can have such a high margin if done right. So tell me a little bit about that. You said you took six months off to build this and launch it. I'm assuming you didn't take six months off to just build it, but that you probably put a heavy amount of time into marketing and, and all that stuff. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you spend your time? What were the keys to actually 
creating such a successful launch. You're absolutely right. It was probably 80% marketing and 20% creation. Now, the the nice thing is when you know your stuff, it it doesn't take you too long to actually create the product. And I I think a lot of people, especially in the beginning, they they don't get this split right. They spend 80% of their time on the product creation or the course creation and none of it on marketing. And and really, I mean, maybe eventually if you have a huge brand and a huge audience or following, you can maybe lean on that a little bit more. But especially in the beginning, you've got to get the marketing down. And what I would recommend people do is uh, what I call backwards building. So basically what I did is six months ahead, I hadn't even created the course yet, but I put up this 6,000 pixel tall landing page. I mean, I, I spent three months just on the landing page, like creating custom illustrations, writing the copy. I mean, it, it was this beautiful, gorgeous, tall landing page. And you know, everyone's like, you got to get your sign up above the fold. Well, my sign up was at the very bottom of this 6,000 pixel tall page and I put it up and you know, the, the first, uh, I think it was the first few days it was getting 65 signups a day. And, uh, let, let me explain what was on this page. It was basically speaking to this person who wanted to learn. It was like, look, you're, you're trying to figure out lettering. You're not really able to find the resources that you want, but you want to make a living at this. That was my, my value proposition. It wasn't just learn lettering, you know, learn the techniques, but it was make a living as a hand lettering artist. I'm showing you, you know, taking advantage of my, the unique hybrid of my skills, which is my background in business and also my, my artistic skills. So yes, I do teach you the lettering techniques, but also the business knowledge you need to succeed. So things like design contracts, going point by point, explaining all of that to you, explaining how to customize it, explaining how to talk with clients, how to price licensing agreements. I mean, all, all of this stuff, I was showing them real emails between me and my clients and my questionnaire, just breaking all of that down for people. So really giving them something unique that they couldn't find anywhere else. And this landing page was telling the story. And so by the time they're scrolling down, it's, it's speaking about the product as if it exists. I mean, you think of it as the press release. Imagine that your product is done and this really big magazine or this, this online publication wants to promote your course. And they say, Hey, you know, next week, we need this press release from you. Tell us exactly what it is, who it's for, why they should care about it, what it's going to do for them. And if you have it, if you have it for us, we're going to promote your thing. Well, it's like, oh man, I, I better get that together. That's exactly what this is. So by the time they scroll down to the bottom, they're basically ready to buy. Of course, you haven't made it yet. And so you've got your sign up box there. And, and that's what I did. The first time I put it up, it was like 65 signups a day. A few days later, 75, 90, 100 at the height of it. 105 people were signing up a day on this landing page. Now, I want to I bring out something important here because I, I mentioned that the year before, I'd put up this very valuable guide. So I put up this 10-step introductory lettering guide on my site, and it was just there. It was just on a page. It wasn't download or anything like that. And so people were linking to that because it's something really valuable. Just sitting there on the web, people were like, this is great. They're sharing it. They're linking to it. So there's all this incoming traffic from all these different sources and re- referrals and social networks and Google all linking to this page. So when I announced the course and I put up this big uh, announcement page, I replaced the guide. So I replaced the, the page that everyone's linking to with this announcement and a sign-up box that says, hey, I'm going to notify you. If you want to get notified, sign up. Also, get my 10-step ten, ten introductory lettering guide. 
So tell me, so you you did that, and this is this you did this for six months out. You were getting these this amount of signups. Yeah, six months out. So by the time I got to the the launch, I had fifteen thousand people on the list, which is just crazy. And then can you, uh, you, you know, you share some of the numbers. So tell me a little bit about this. You have 50,000 people sign up. How many people ended up buying? I believe it was 380 people ended up buying uh, the masterclass. So I was talking to Nathan Berry. I, I think you, you also know Nathan. Yep. Um, talking to him a, a, about this at the time. And he was saying, you should sell in tiers. You know, do different packages. And at the time I was like, oh. Because I had basically 10 courses that I was bundling together as this masterclass, you know, all these different focuses and, and teaching different things. I was going to bundle them together or say, you know, if you want to buy them individually, you can. You'll save a little when you buy all of them. And he's like, no, you need to, you need to package them up. He said, people want to know what order to go through. You know, e- even if it doesn't matter, he said, just tell them. Tell them the best order because people don't want to have to think. He said, package them up. Do these three different packages. And that basically, that, that had a huge impact on the launch because I ended up packaging them all together in the masterclass. And at the time, what I had there was, uh, I think I sold it for $250 and I gave people an introductory rate at the launch. And uh, it was $199 for the people at the very beginning. And it was, I mean, I, I don't remember the math exactly, but it was, uh, you know, it was like 380 people got the masterclass and then a, a bunch of people got the other ones and it was a little over a hundred thousand in the first three days of revenue. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I'm just doing some calculations right now. Yeah, that that's that's pretty impressive. So this was and this is the first time you'd ever done something like this, is that correct? This was the first time, man. I, I actually I learned so much from it because I, I actually just recently that we're now, you know, a, a, more than a year later, and I just launched the second version, which I'm, I'm really excited about the results from that because I did everything so much better. But what I did wrong the first time was I was building this list for six months. Tom, I, 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 I got to tell you, I, I didn't know anything about marketing. I wasn't even emailing them. Like I, I didn't know about keeping your list warm or anything. I didn't even know about autoresponders. And so I had this list of people for six months and five days before the launch, I sent them five emails like, hey, here's what's coming. And Here's you know some some of the stuff inside, and it still did as well as it did, which was just pretty crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. So now you said you've your um, the two point version, the the updated version is now. Is it is it released now, or is it is it, are you getting ready to it, release? It's it? a it's up. Yes, sir. It's live. Okay, so when this goes live, I'll make sure to send people over to it, and they can find it at seanwest.com. Uh, learnlettering.com actually. Learnlettering.com. Okay, I apologize. Somebody make a note of that. Cool. Um, and what have you done? Have you done anything? So besides, it sounds like you've probably implemented some sort of autoresponder or trip campaign to prep people this time to kind of keep the list warm, quote unquote. Um, have you done anything different from a design standpoint? Because you said at the bottom was the sign up form have, or did you find that that was so successful in kind of a unique way that you just kept it? Or have you t- tested out some new things with this, uh, the second go around? Well, when I launched it, I replaced the sign up form with the, the purchasing options. Uh, but later on, you know, as I was uh, a- after I'd launched it, I put the sign up form back there. Uh, I actually put it twice on the landing page, a little bit higher up and then all the way at the bottom that said get free tutorials. So basically anyone who wasn't ready to buy, they could sign up and they went through a small autoresponder that gave them some of the videos for free and, you know, tried to upsell them a little bit. When I launched the new version, though, uh, I-, I closed the I closed the course down for a month. 
so that I, I could kind of build up interest again and get ready to launch the new course. The new one, uh, I, I reproduced all of the material. So there were 50 lessons. I reproduced all of them. I've got a video guy now, so it's it's way higher production quality. But then I also added 50% more content and more modules, especially focused on the business stuff and you know gave the existing customers free upgrades. But I, I basically positioned it as an even higher uh, an, an even higher premium kind of offering. Like it, it's it's much higher price this time. But I did something kind of crazy. So two things I did crazy. One is I, I I wanted to correct what I did wrong the last time, which was leaving the list cold and sending only five emails before the launch. And uh, what I did this time was I wrote a blog post on. It was an average of fifteen hundred words each for the 30 days before leading up to the launch. So I announced the launch date 30 days in advance, and I said, I'm doing a daily blog post series leading up to the launch. And this was just, it was pure value, Tom. Like, it, none of it was, okay, some of it towards the end was selling, but everything else was just teaching, just teaching everything, giving all of it away. And I, I mean, essentially writing what was like a small book. I mean, we're talking about 30, 40, 50,000 words of uh, blog posts here, just giving this away. And I decided this time with the starter class, um, previously my, my old intermediate class had three modules. I sold it for $99. Hundreds of people bought it. This time I upgraded everything. I added way more content. And this time the starter class had four modules. So the new starter class was bigger than the old intermediate class that I sold for $99. And I was going to sell it for $99. But I decided instead to just give it away for free. I mean, just 100% for free. I mean, my, my Wistia bill is like four figures. It, it's, it's pretty gnarly. I just gave it away. But the results were astounding. I mean, I, I did this as, as a marketing move because, for instance, you know, I put a, a, a design on Instagram and said, hey, I, I, I'm basically creating this story, which is I should be selling this for $99. I used to, and I sold hundreds but this time I'm giving it away. And so I asked people, you know, spread the word. And so I post something on Instagram and 300 people comment. Every single comment is them tagging at least one other person. And so it's just, it's going crazy. It's just spreading like wildfire because it's this insanely valuable thing for free. And I, I still don't know if it's the worst idea I've had or the best idea I've had because I'm definitely going to be paying for it in video hosting. But my hope is that now that I've kind of learned a lot more about marketing and upselling and, and all of that, you know, nurturing your leads that I can convert enough of those people for it to make sense. But it, it was insane. In the in the the first weekend that I announced this, I got a thousand signups over the weekend. And then over the course of that week, I think it was between four and yeah, it was it was a little over four thousand people signed up within that week. So I mean it, it did phenomenally well giving away the starter class. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Um, and so now, and you do a bunch of other stuff. Gosh, we don't. I don't know if we have enough time to go into all these, but you also run a podcast, um, and I see you involved in a lot of um, you know things like that that seem to be slightly tertiary to what you do. But but tell me a little bit about that. What's your what's your what's the purpose behind the podcast? What's the purpose behind doing, you know, doing a podcast? You know, doing the blog that you're doing. Um, you know, why, why do it? Why spend the amount of time and effort into doing it too? Because I know your podcast is very high quality, um, and and I believe they're. Are they video? They're video recorded, aren't they? They are. Yeah. yeah. So you, you put a ton of time and effort into this. Um, tell me about that. Why? Yeah. So the, the idea behind the Sean West podcast, which is the, the twice a week podcast that I do, 
is basically just to to give away all of my knowledge. Just just basically show everyone. Like I I tell them real numbers. Like as scary as it is. Um, and, and another thing is things have really grown in the past. I mean, just over 2015. At the end of last year, it was just me. Now there's seven employees full time. And so I I mean I share. I'm totally transparent. Real numbers. Everything. Sometimes it's like oh man. This, this could be kind of scary for employees, but they, they actually, they like it because they know there's no such thing as job security and, you know, you're getting your regular paycheck, but for all you know, things are bad behind the scenes. So they're like, hey, I'd, I'd rather know the real numbers. So basically, I just, I just give all that stuff away. I'm, I'm teaching as I go. And um, something, that, something that we did, you know, we started this in uh, 2013. In 2014, I, I launched a community membership site where you know, we have forums and uh, we stream the show live and we've got, a, you know, a chat system where people can engage. You know, there's mobile apps. They can get feedback and talk to each other anytime throughout the week. So we made this community membership site. It was basically just for podcast listeners to connect, but it, it's grown to so much more than that now here a, a year later. And that's basically how we're able to do the podcast. You know, we don't we don't actually do sponsors or anything like that. It's just supported by the community. So it's basically like, hey, if you're enjoying the stuff, you know, you want to connect with like-minded people, you, you can join the community. And that's, that's basically it. So, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of how we're able to do the podcast and, and what's keeping it going. Very cool. Okay. Now, again, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to figure out the, the questions that are, you know, potentially most interesting, but uh, I can really only, only base that on what I find the most interesting. So I'm, I'm in this particular area where uh, what I'm building is starting to grow too. So going from solo to um, contractors and employees, that kind of thing. So tell me about that transition from just you to seven employees. Um, What was that like? The hardest part was at the very beginning. You know, I used to look at guys like Gary Vaynerchuk and he's got like 500 employees. I'm like, how do, how do you, how do you do that? How do you hire people? And I'm only just now starting to get it because it was the hardest thing for, for me going from just zero employees to one. Because I'm, you, you know, you, you kind of get this sense, like with how, how detail oriented I am, that I, I'm a perfectionist, you know, I, I care about the, the small details. And for me, it was just, it was just this mental thing of no one else is going to do it as good as, as I can, or as good as I am, they're not going to care as much. And the truth is, there's that that's not wrong. It, it is true. No one's going to quite care about it as much as you do. But, but the thing is, if you hire the right people, they can actually, once this one thing they're doing is their sole focus, they can even eventually do it better than you because you, you have split focus. You're trying to do too many things. And it, it, was, it wasn't easy. You know, giving up the reins and, and control over different parts of my business wasn't easy. But once I understood that, once I, you know, you know what the kicker was? It was me putting a value on my time. Me saying, you know what? I believe my time is worth so much an hour. And then when I was doing something that I could pay someone else less than the value of my time, what I was doing was lying about the value of my time with my actions. And once I realized that, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm actually being dishonest with, with myself about the value of my time by doing these things, by doing these things that I'm good at, things like editing my podcast, writing show notes, shooting my own videos, you know, do, doing development on my site. Like I, I understand that stuff. I know how to do that stuff. But other people could be doing that. I needed to focus on the things that only I could do. And I guess w- once I got that, and, w- and once I understood that my time is valuable, you know, for instance, Tom, 
I could spend the hour that I was doing whatever that I was so obsessed about, I could spend that hour working on my autoresponder series. You know, my, my original autoresponder series wasn't very great at all. It had like five emails and that was it. And there were, you know, at the time, I think 20,000 people on that list. And they went through the five emails and then that was it. They never heard from me again. And it's like, you know what? If I added five more emails or rewrote the previous ones, it, let's imagine that I just converted another 1% or 2%. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, something that would take me an hour or two. And once I realized the value of my time applied to the things that only I could do, then, then for some reason it just clicked for me. Then I got it. And ever since then, I've just been hiring people. I love that. How, real quick, how do you know what are the things that only you can do? I guess it's, here's the mental block, I think, for people like me who, they're kind of perfectionists. They're worried that other people won't do it as well. If you are a perfectionist, you have to realize your standards are unrealistically high. Like, the difference between 90% perfect and 100% perfect is like double the work. You have to you have to work twice as hard to get from 90 to 100. Meanwhile, 2% of people even notice the difference in quality. And so it for me it was it was lowering that mental threshold, that bar and saying, "You know what? 90% perfect my for me as a perfectionist, my 90% perfect is better than what most people care about. Most people are trying to cut corners and and I, I realized this was a strength if I allowed it to be. So what I realized was, is as long as I was able to bring on people who could get to 90% of what I thought was perfect, it would be totally fine. No, no one else would notice the difference, and I would be freed up to do everything else. So for me, things like podcast editing, I was like, oh, editing my podcast, that's like telling a story, you know, deciding what's included and what's cut out. Well, really, it was just a matter of delegating and finding someone I could trust and getting things up to that level. And once I did that, once I realized, you know what, the, the things that I need to be focusing on are the things that are directly tied to my voice, directly tied to my insight. You know, when I'm making these crazy hiring decisions, like the people who are, you know, looking at my payroll, they're like, well, you, you can't afford to be hiring more people because we, we need to pay payroll with, with uh, this decision you're making. We're only going to have payroll for four months instead of six months. And it's like, yeah, but I see the long game. You know, I see that this is an investment and this investment is going to come back and give us this return, which in two months or three months will put us even further out. You know, it's like they don't see those things. And so I need to be the one focusing on the things that no one else can do. No, no one else understands. Gosh, that's awesome. I could, I could probably, you know, dig into this and go on for hours more. So I'm just going to, I'm going to close it off now and say, Sean, I definitely want to get you back onto the podcast in, in a few months or a year to see where you're at and to, to continue this type of conversation. I'm going to suggest anyone listening to, to head over to seanwest.com uh, to check out his podcast, check out his blog. Again, top quality stuff. I, I can confirm that I'm, I'm a listener of the podcast. It's incredibly valuable and you know, totally transparent, um, which makes super valuable. So if you're interested in, in starting your own business, check that out. If you're interested in hand lettering or design, also check out his website. Um, it's, it's just uh, top quality stuff. And I'll definitely make sure I link up everything in the show notes. Um, but Sean, is there anything else you'd like to add or anything, any place where you'd like to point people? Oh, no. Th- thank you so much for the, the kind words, Tom. I, I really appreciate it. I would absolutely love to be back on. Uh, I, I guess that's just a final parting word. You know, I used to think like, 
uh, hand lettering. Like, how can I ever teach people business if they just see me as a hand letterer? You know, like most people are interested in that. And then I realized that it was it, it's such a boon that I am a hand letterer and that people understand that because you know, in this space, Tom, there's there's so many people teaching they make their living online by teaching other people how to make a living online and mm-hmm. it's kind of this recursive thing and people are skeptical and you know they don't know who to trust but like by having this real life case study of you know what i, I spent nine thousand hours getting good at a skill and then you know saving up money spending six months out of a year producing a course teaching people like i have this real life case study to point to to say hey you know what i'm not just making this stuff up when i when i teach you how to prepare for your product launch and I say you know you got to put an autoresponder series in place or, or work on uh, you know blog posts ahead of time with the launch like I'm actually doing that stuff I'm actually applying the things that I'm teaching and I'm also sharing the results and so it, it, it's really nice you know it's like yeah I actually I can teach people business and marketing and me being a hand letterer isn't hindering that it's basically just serving as a case study Yep. I love it. Okay. Great stuff, Sean. I really do sincerely appreciate it. And and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the show because uh, again, just top quality stuff and, and you practice what you preach. And again, I, it's, there's nothing artificial about it or, or the, uh, the circular type business model, right. That you kind of, kind of alluded to there. Um, <laughs> which is always get cracks me up a little bit, but it's also one of those things that I know it can be dangerous for somebody just starting out. Um, and to learn from somebody that doesn't necessarily know what they're talking about. So I think in your case, they absolutely can check you out and, and get a ton of value from your podcast, your blog and everything like that. Um, maybe almost as much as me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Sean, but I, I really do appreciate it, man. It's incredible talking to you and I look forward to having you on the podcast again in the future. Thanks so much, Tom. I really appreciate it. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you'd like to check out the show notes, just head over to tommorcus.com slash podcast, where you'll find the latest broadcast. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, please do me a favor and leave a rating and review on iTunes. That's the fastest, simplest, easiest way to support my creative work, and it would really mean a lot to me. As always, this is Tom Morcus, and if you're listening to this, you are the resistance.